Hello, this is Sarah Pearson, Features Editor at the Concord Monitor, here with David Brooks, the Granite Geek, to talk about his monthly Science Cafe. Hello, Dave. Hello. So, you had Science Cafe on Tuesday night? Yep, we gathered or in uh, Macros Lobster and Steakhouse like we do most months of the year, and um, this time we talked about alternative election methods. You mean like drawing straws, one potato, two potatoes? Uh, no, that's not what I mean at all. Actually, uh, I, I was talking. We were talking about different ways to cast ballots in elections, like the, like the presidential primary. Of course. Of course. Although one potato, two potato would be interesting. But anyway, me, uh, me, me, miny, <laughs> we uh, we focused uh, the the conversation focused on on ranked choice voting, and we've talked a lot about that before. Yeah, with that, um, as you recall, we had the mock election that we ran in the uh, monitor as if the Democratic primary was done with ranked choice voting. We did that back in December. Yes, lots and lots of counting. Lots and lots of counting. So basically, ranked choice voting, for those who, who haven't been following along, um, is when you have you know more than two candidates running for a single office. So like the primary, um, you get the list of candidates, and you don't just vote for the one you want, which is what we currently do. You rank them as you can rank all of them or as many as you want. So you say this is my first choice and this person is my second choice and she's my third choice and she's my fourth choice and he's my fifth place choice. And then you turn in the ballot. And then if nobody gets a majority of the first choice, if somebody gets a majority of first choices, they win, just like with the current election. But if they say get, you know, forty five percent of the first choices, they didn't they don't win, even though they have the most first choices. Instead what happens is the lowest the uh, candidate with the lowest number of first choices his drops out and we take all the second choices on that person's ballot and assign them to somebody and recalculate it. You keep doing that over and over again until you get somebody who has more than a majority. And so what did the panel think? Well, um, so we had a really great panel, partly because uh, Dave Scanlon, who's the de Deputy Secretary of State, was there. Uh, he's one of the guys. He's been there for 20 years some, almost and runs elections. No, so he was there to give us you know, the real lowdown on how the elections are actually run, how the ballots are printed, distributed, counted, and all. You know what, what happens. Secretary of State's office, in general, is not uh, a fan of ranked choice voting. They think it'll be too complicated. Uh, it will you know, not accomplish what it it purports to accomplish, in, at least in New Hampshire. Um, we also had Tiana Coleman, who's uh, president of New Hampshire Independent Voters, and she used to actually run ranked choice voting elections when she was in, with the Republican Party in Utah. And we had Kyle Bailey, who's from a, uh, a, a basically a, a ranked choice uh, funded out in Maine, who helped the drive in Maine, which is important because that's the first state where ranked choice voting is being used in statewide elections and, and elections for Congress and stuff. So it's there, there are some uh, ranked choice voting elections around the country in cities, but Maine's the first one they're doing in states. So he was able to come talk about how it's actually uh, operating there. And so it was, it was a good discussion. Most of the people uh, in the audience were relatively familiar with ranked choice voting. Uh, I, there weren't any, like, I don't think there were any super fans, and there were a few skeptics, but it was, uh, it was people were interested in the idea. Anything in particular come up in the discussion of Interest of well, note? Well, so the argument for ranked choice voting, the, the big argument for ranked choice voting is it gives voters more of a say, and so it increases turnout, as it does seem to do. So, for example, if you know if there's three or four people running and you like one of them, but you know that person's not going to win, you just don't bother to vote because why waste your vote? So with ranked choice voting, you can go vote for that person, but then you can also give a second 
you can say, well, if, if my guy doesn't win, here's the person I, I would settle for. So it gives you more of an ability to, to get across your point of view. So mo people are more likely to vote. And the argument is that it also um, does a better job of figuring out what the population wants. I mean, when you have multiple candidates running for a, a race right now, you can win with like 35%, as has happened many times. We're all familiar with this phenomenon. And it might not actually you know, reflect what the, the population as a whole wants. And it also, there's an argument, and I, and I think this is almost the mo most compelling, is that it forces candidates to go beyond their base. Because if you've got a bunch of candidates right now running, as long as you get your base out there and you get your 30 or 40 percent of your fans, you don't have to worry about the other 60 percent of the population right now. Under ranked choice voting, you do have to worry about them to a certain extent. Because if none of them like you as second choice, you won't win. So the idea is that it tempers extremism in uh, politics. And uh, well, I think everybody agreed that, yeah. Anyway, so uh, everybody agreed it wasn't a panacea, it wasn't going to solve, it wasn't going to suddenly make it, you know, let's all join hands and sing kumbaya together. Uh, because it already exists in some places, including uh, the uh, legislature, uh, lower house of parliament in Australia has used it. And politics in Australia is, is not exactly, you know, heaven on earth. So it, it's not perfect, but it is, it is one of the tools. So what have efforts been to use it in New Hampshire? Well, there's, uh, there's been a couple times there's been legislation uh, submitted in 2016, I think, 2018, to have it uh, used in certain elections, such as the party primaries or something like that, and they've always been turned down by legislators. Um, you know, not understandably. I mean, understandably, these, the legislators are people who were who have succeeded under the current system. So, asking them to change the system might be a little bit of push. In fact, Maine it only changed because of um, you know the, the voters. Measure? Yeah, they had to ballot. The voters had to put it on the ballot themselves and voted it. And the legislature then turned it down, and so they, the voters put it on the ballot again and and did it again. <laughs> And then voted in a new legislature using our uh, ranked choice voting that is now a fan of ranked choice voting. So it's, it's, uh, it, it took some effort in Maine. So, um, so. All right. So what's up for next for Science Cafe? Next Science Cafe, next month, uh, fourth Wednesday as always, which is the 26th, I think, of February. We're going to be talking about science fiction. Uh, topic of nine years of Science Cafe. We've never touched on this, actually. But the world feels like science fiction sometimes, both for better or for worse. So I'm sort of interested to, to hear from uh, some academics and some, some book fans about uh, the current and future status of science fiction. All right. Well, and when is that going to be? Uh, February 26th, fourth Wednesday of the month. Go to sciencecafenh.org. Um, and if you want to come, as always, you gotta you got to call Macris and, and reserve a seat because they kind of need to know how many people are coming so they know how much of a buffet to make. And you're a popular guy. And a popular guy. That's me. All right. Thanks, Dave. You bet. Remember, you can listen to all of these podcasts on Google Music, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>